0: a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Shame is a liar, but it's good at its job. Pam Raider didn't just crave freedom, her survival depended on it. Having escaped at knife point from her violent alcoholic husband, she desperately sought a new beginning for her infant son. But after a string of failed relationships and marriages, her worst nightmare unfolded before her eyes as her beloved boy developed an out-of-control heroin addiction. In her deeply personal and touching story, Pam Rader recounts her struggle for independence and acceptance during the most turbulent time of her life. And through the power of yoga and self-reinvention, this mother's discovery of compassion will comfort anyone all too close to the horror of destructive behavior. Her book, Through the Cracks, is an inspirational memoir that will shine light at the end of any dark and treacherous tunnel. Valeria Tellez interviews Pam Rader, the author of Through the Cracks, a gripping tale of abuse, addiction, and rising above a legacy of shame. Pam Reader is also the owner of Shift Power Yoga, the founder and CEO of Shift Coaching and Leadership, a division of Shift Labs, speaker, podcast host, and life coach. Pam's primary purpose in each of her endeavors is to help individuals and organizations discover the power they have to totally transform their lives, experiences, and businesses at any moment. She continues to expand her work with the vision of positively and powerfully impacting as many lives as possible. Meet Pam at Pamreader.com and shiftlabs.ca Here's an interview with Pamrader.
0: in
2: your own words, who is Ben Rader? I am first and foremost a seeker, um, a seeker of truth, a seeker of knowledge, a seeker of depth and substance, a seeker of what's possible in the world. So though I am a, a coach and a yoga teacher and a, an author and a speaker and a mother and a wife, those are all expressions of my seeking. And I think that that's primarily why we're here, to seek the truth. I love that. I never heard it that
0: way. Everything I do is the expression of my seeking. Do you think that we can get there at some point? Would that be the destination to get to truth?
2: I think that we never arrive. I think that truth is a well with no bottom, <laughs> perhaps, or a mountain with no top. Uh I think that in our physical uh, human experience, our ability to see the whole truth is limited and we can just continue to do the best we can to expand our view of truth. Oh my God, I love that. Oh,
0: I love your wisdom already. How to you describe what authenticity is?
2: Oh boy, I actually think that authenticity is a shedding of all of the parts that are not us. I don't think it's something we become. I think it's a, a remembering of our divine nature and uh, a shedding of all of the masks and hiding and pretenses that we gather to protect our vulnerable hearts as we move through this human experience.
0: What is your understanding of spirituality as
2: of today? Well, well I grew up in... them. Um, in a family that, you know, we went to church, we went to the United Church, and um, a very liberal church, and so I always had some connection with spirituality. Um, But having gone through the yoga teacher trainings and um, my own searching, I have kind of stumbled upon uh, Buddhism and and all, really all kinds of spiritual teachings. and, And where I've really landed now is that it's all the same. The, the, <laughs> we can call it God, creator, um, the universe, but just that there is this interconnectedness of, of all things and God is in us and we are in God. It's all connected. So that's really kind of where I'm, I'm at with spirituality. I think that the thread of truth in all of the traditions is there. And, uh, and I'm very open to learning what I don't know about spirituality.
0: So another open question: What do you love most about being in a human body? Oh boy! Yeah, or being the human body.
2: <laughs> be that the ability to—I think of being in this human body lately, as though I've—I've I've been given this. Um, Ferrari from the universe. And I originally (laughs) drove it around like it was a Toyota Corolla, (laughs) not (laughs) realizing (laughs) that it had all of these extra Um. features and gears and ways to enjoy life and ways to transform how I view the world. I love the, I love learning and the excitement that comes the, the physical form of excitement that comes from learning something new. I love how you
0: said that. It's funny, but true. And I think it's <laughs> funny because it's true. <laughs> that's, that's what it is.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. What is freedom to you, Pam? Freedom. Yeah, freedom is, um, it can be such a big word, but, you know, it, we could go right back to um, Chris Christopherson. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose from Bobby McGee, you know. Um, When we lose our attachments to how things should be or what shouldn't be, then we're free. When we live a life of of shoulds and shouldn'ts and constructs, then we are truly free. Yeah, I'm tempted to
0: ask you the same question. Is there a destination for freedom? Do we ever get there?
2: (laughs) You know, I imagine that there are um, yogis and monks who might disagree with me, but I think it's more of... um, we have glimpses of it we have moments of it and we move more and more towards it and we have longer experiences of it do we ever land in com- complete freedom i don't know i haven't yet <laughs> what would that look like that's what sometimes i wonder what
0: would that look like to be free <laughs> like you said <laughs> yeah no conditioning is just uh,
2: this unconditional presence isn't it yeah i think it would i think it would be um A complete and utter dropping of our concern for looking good, our concern for for being liked, our concern for fitting in, those kinds of things. And I think we all experience moments of that. And as we do this kind of spiritual work, we get more and more of it, uh, certainly. Do we ever get fully there? I don't know if in in human form, if we're if we're meant to. I mean, the contrast helps us appreciate those moments of freedom. What is healing from your perspective and what are the obstacles to healing? So healing is a process in my perspective, Um, though I do believe that sometimes miraculous healing can occur. What I've witnessed in my own life through my own experiences is much like when we get a cut or a scrape, there are layers of healing. We get the scab and then we get the little scar and then the scar eventually softens and maybe goes away to some degree. I think that healing is like that. Um, it has stages and sometimes we think we're healed and there's still a scar and there's another layer of, of healing that goes, uh, that goes on. So most, mostly I think it's a process. And what was the second part of the question? And the obstacles to healing. The obstacles to healing. Uh, One of them is to believe that it's a complete, like it's a destination or that we're done. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. So true. Yeah. To just recognize that healing is a process and we might have blind spots to where healing can occur. So I would just say, just thinking that it's, it's done or over at any point or that it's a destination to realize that healing is, is a, is a part of the beautiful process of living.
0: I have interviewed some non-duality teachers and have studied myself too. It's one of the spiritual teachings that really attracts me the most for some reason. And I see that they say that without uh, the experience of, of being here in a human body, if this is an experience, is actually that. It's the the opposites. We cannot have that freedom of unconditional love or unconditional only unconditional presence because that's a different realm which would be the spiritual realm and not this one Mm -hmm. so I've been thinking about that it kind of resonated with me like yeah that makes so much sense
2: Mm -hmm. I agree I think that as I said earlier the contrast we we can't truly know the light without the darkness we can't really know peace if we've not suffered a lack of peace and so this human experience even healing I think is is embracing the wholeness, the totality of the experience of life um, without, you know, we tend to run away from the pain and move towards the pleasure, of course. But to embrace it all would be, you know, healed to me, I think. And I wonder if that would look, uh, to get to the
0: point, would look exactly the way it looks now, humanity, (laughs) right? Because everyone's doing what they can with what they have. It's almost the idea that everything is already perfect, that life doesn't make mistakes. Exactly. Uh, that's a tough one to embrace. <laughs> and it is. But anyway, well, resonates true. So you wrote the book, Through the Cracks, a gripping tale of abuse, addiction, and rising above a legacy of shame. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book.
2: I actually didn't want to write a book, uh, but I've shared my story many times of um, surviving a, a fairly abusive first marriage many, many years ago and then raising a, th- a son through heroin addiction. Um, and many, many people said to me, You really need to, you really need to share this with the world. Like this story has to be told. And I really didn't think it's that special. And that's that's actually still my belief uh, that it's not that special. And in fact, that is what had me write the book. I I had a friend say, that's why you need to write it, because it's not special, because there are so many people out there looking for any kind of breadcrumbs towards at least the level of freedom that you have. And if you could provide that for anyone, then you should write this book. So it was just really an offering, another expression of, of my contribution to the world saying, hey, I've been in the darkness and I've, I'm, I'm, you know, working towards the light like everybody, but I found some ways and here, take my hand, I can show you. It's beautiful though. I love that. I can call it courage,
0: but I think it has to do with trust, doesn't it, Pam? You trust mm. in yourself and perhaps trust in life itself and the callings.
2: Yeah, I um, I actually look at dissatisfaction as part of our calling. You know, when we feel deeply dissatisfied, that's actually just the universe leading us towards what is more fulfilling. And, um, you know, I, I, I am getting better at embracing that dissatisfaction, just sitting in it and saying, hmm, well, where am I being led then? that also means
0: that if we follow those signs and answer those calls we'll live a life that's very rich and fun right it's Mm -hmm. always meaningful and purposeful that's what it comes to me Mm -hmm. because there's no ending to this anyway so the whole idea is to enjoy the ride as some say Mm-hmm. which is kind of embrace everything that it's uncomfortable or that's as you said the challenges the difficulties instead of trying to run from them.
2: Well, I really believe that the the life that we experience is directly related to the story that we tell about it. Everyone has trials and difficulties and suffering and struggle at times in their lives. And where the greatest transformation can come is in how we relate to the things that have happened to us, how we speak about them, who did we become because of those things, how did we grow, how did we learn, um, What? how did we become more resilient, um, how can we share this experience with others, and when we speak about our trials and tribulations, from the vantage point of, of what did I learn, how did I grow, what's better because of it, we live a much more fulfilled, enriched, peaceful, free life. But we have to be listening for the lessons. If we're not listening for the lessons, I feel like uh, we're often doomed to repeat
0: those lessons. True. Yeah. It becomes a pattern, a cycle. It has been my experience for sure. What do you feel is the purpose of this experience, this human experience? Do you believe that there is a purpose to it?
2: I believe that each of us, I I work with um, an amazing spiritual teacher named Joe Greenland, whose um, native name is Fox Dreamer. And he... Uh, believes that we all come here. We choose this life. We choose our particular obstacles. We choose the struggles that we'll have because there's lessons we want to learn and overcome. And that resonates with me. It feels true for me. And so the more I embrace that, the more I embrace the obstacles that come my way. I might not love them in the moment, but I can see the bigger picture of, hey, I came here to do this, so let's find the way to freedom through this particular obstacle. Let's climb this mountain and and feel the triumph um, that is a part of this human experience. And you said, questioning my beliefs is, is now my
0: practice, guiding others to walk out Of shame and question their own beliefs has become my life's work Mm -hmm. so the question is can we navigate this reality without a belief system or belief systems
2: well I think the greatest belief system that we can all adopt is that beliefs are changeable and if your current belief system is causing you to suffer it's time to examine it. Beliefs are changeable. They're like clothes. We, you know, I believed lots of things 10 years ago that I no longer believe. And I'm not that attached to my beliefs now. I believe, I know that I will expand on some of them and some of them will be debunked over time in my experiences. So I think the foundation of, of transformation is this idea that, it's our beliefs that keep us uh, stuck and suffering more so than our circumstances. And we always have the power to shift our beliefs. Our beliefs are just collections of our experiences of other people in our lives, generally speaking, and um, entirely changeable, which is that is one of the biggest miracles in life that when we change our beliefs about life, mm. life shows up differently for us.
0: Do you see beliefs the same way? I mean, do you define or do you describe beliefs the same way as you would describe values?
2: Mm, no. Um, values are also changeable. We value different things at different parts, uh, at different times in our lives. They're interconnected, certainly. For instance, if you if you valued uh, success, Um, and you had a belief that people um, who were successful were just lucky, you probably wouldn't become that successful even though you value it. So they're they're two different things, but they are connected. If your beliefs are aligned with your values, then you're unstoppable.
0: I usually write and I talk a lot, I have been, about self-love and believing in oneself. So that belief system, you believe in you. So talk to me for a moment about um, your ideas. How do you feel self-love?
2: Yeah, I believe that we come here with self-love. We come here with an inner knowing that we are perfect, whole, complete. And then we layer on all of these, you know, something happens in psychology. I believe they call it the fall from grace where we We have this little moment where we're like, what do you mean I'm not enough? Oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not enough and therefore not lovable. And I'll run around making sure no one knows how unlovable I am by putting on all these masks. So I I believe that self-love again comes back to this remembering of who we are and the shedding of all the things we aren't. And the biggest obstacle to self-love is shame. And this is part of the reason I wrote this book was to fully, completely tell on myself in ways that allowed me to release shame and hiding and guilt. And I've had hundreds of people reach out to me and say, oh my God, this is my story. And I was—I could never have shared it. I had so much shame, but because you shared it, I'm healing, and I can talk about it, and and so I believe the first the first step to self love is shedding shame. Yeah, that is so so true. How many
0: times I can say that? And this is something that I never thought about. That's interesting. My entire life, shame has been part of my life, but. I was not aware of it at all. Maybe I gave different names. As of now, at this moment, I kind of don't relate as much to the word, the shame, the word even, because I -hmm. have not been um, in touch with it coming from that place of understanding. So talk to me for a Mm -hmm. moment about shame. What is the progression of shame, the signs of shame and the causes of shame?
2: Well, let's start with the causes. The causes are generally a collection of what we were told was good and bad and right and wrong and what we should and shouldn't do by our parents, our grandparents, our peers, our society, community, those kinds of things. And when we do something that is outside of those parameters, we are often, we perceive messages that we are bad. Um, or defective in some way. And in order to avoid rejection, which as we know on a biological level equals, you know, ousting from the tribe and therefore death, we hide these perceived deficiencies uh, from others so that they don't reject us. And that's how it starts at a very young age. And we continue with those patterns until we have this collection of shame, which is like carrying around a backpack full of really heavy prickly rocks <laughs> and um and it's it, it becomes our greatest obstacle to freedom i think that this is where we have to get into well what are the beliefs that have caused shame and is that really true like continually asking ourselves is it true that it's wrong that i did such and such is it true mm. or is it just something that happened that i learned mm. from you yeah. know Mm. I love
0: the way you talk about your mother and the lessons that you have learned from her and the different types of strengths and that she focused on what was most important to her and that was passed on to you. And she Mm -hmm. decided to see the good in people and focus on that instead.
2: Yeah, you know, I had a lot of, uh, as a lot of people do. Uh, there, uh, what's the expression? of it's not one thing, it's your yeah, mother. Yeah. You know, I had <laughs> <Yeah>. like the, <laughs> true. I had uh-huh. my uh, my opinions, my judgments, all of that. But when I take a step back and I look, I'm like, wow. The bigger picture is that she she does have this amazing ability to see the best in people and that includes accepting the parts of them that maybe aren't so great and and that is a um a really lovely lovely lesson to have witnessed in my life yeah and
0: then the lessons for your father and from your father, beautiful lessons about helping others, the courage to take risks in disregard what other people think about us. That's a powerful one too. So I'd love to um, for you to talk to me a bit more about him and the lessons that you you have learned.
2: My father never followed um, any rules, really. He was a firefighter and then started his own business to um, build elevators for disabled people because a a fellow down the street from us had a catastrophic accident and became a quadriplegic. And my father, we, we just witnessed him helping people his whole life. Not always the easiest man, for sure. And and always very passionate about uh, following your dreams. So when I decided to quit my job at, um, you know, my regular job at a medical laboratory and pursue personal development and yoga, and that, uh, it's a full-time passion, everyone said I was crazy. They all said, you, you've got this, you've got seven weeks of your holidays and you make good money, and why would you do that? And my dad called me and he said, don't listen to anyone. Those people are scared and you're not scared. He said, you go do what you want to do. You live your passion. And if you need help, you come to your dad because risk takers are what this world needs more of. And you like the way for other people to take risks. And that's what makes the world great. So you go out there and do that. And I'm always cheering for you. And I, you know, I try to be that person for as many others as I can as well, because that, that little pep talk gave me the courage to keep going. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I mean, this is what all of us want. We all want to hear that from somebody close to us, right? Yeah. To be supported in this yes. way. You know, whatever you want to do from your heart, just do it. Thank you, Pam, for sharing this and for being that person, too, in our lives. There's one about intuition. This is one that you have learned from bad boyfriends, as you say, <laughs> to trust your intuition. So I would
2: love to hear more about intuition. Well, I think that whenever we experience anxiety, we're usually not listening to our intuition. There's Our intuition is, is this natural source of wisdom that... Um, it's like when we're doing something that's out of alignment or we're not listening to to our intuition, we have anxiety. And in today's world, we focus on it as like sort of this I I have this thing that's happening to me instead of saying, what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing or what am I not listening to in my own body that's causing this because I'm the cause of my own anxiety. And so um I look back at yeah, these these experiences with with boyfriends that were less than than excellent and And I think, you know, I knew it. I knew, I knew when I walked down the aisle with my first husband, I, what was I doing? And I remember thinking, my parents have spent so much money on this wedding. I have to keep walking. My intuition knew it was screaming and I ignored it. And I mean, I almost lost my life over it, you know? So I think that going back to like having, you said courage and trust, it's having the courage to trust your intuition and take action based on your intuition, even if it's not the, the norm or what's expected. I wonder why it takes so
0: long enough for us to come to this space, to this um, place of trust. So many things get in the way. Yeah, I would love to hear more from you in the sense of how do we learn to distinguish the voice Of intuition, from you know the voice, from belief systems, other people, and who knows? We have so many voices
2: within. Oh yeah! If I had the answer to that, I'd probably be a millionaire. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, true. All I can share is, in my experience, taking time to get quiet, taking time to notice if if I'm bringing other people's reactions into the equation, it's probably not my intuition. If I'm thinking or worried about what so-and-so will think or how they will treat me because of this decision, it's likely not my intuition. That's more my survival mechanism kicking in, avoiding being rejected. And if I can just see that little gap, that little space and go, whoa, that's not really my intuition. In that moment, I notice it. I have a choice to follow my intuition. And if I don't, at least I know I'm making a conscious decision to override my intuition. I'm not blind to it, so I think it's not. It's a process. There's this little gap. It's like where the yoga occurs, right in the gap between stimulus and and reaction or response. And that's, I think, the best we can do is to get into that little space and say, oh, "What's really going on here? Who am I really listening to?" And that's that's the. The process for people is just to get off of autopilot and question. And um, you might not get it right all the time, but life, life will direct you towards your intuition more and more often if you're willing to and
0: open to listen. And then you say so many things in a book. Towards the end, you said, it took losing some of me to find all of me eventually. That's a beautiful mm. message. Um, it stayed with me,
2: <laughs> that one yeah and um i think we have to be unafraid i i guess the best way i could put it in the language i have for it now is when we are tapped into source and we recognize that we're part of something bigger there really isn't anything to lose i was hanging on to all these false constructs to keep me safe and when i was Like able to see that there really is nothing to lose you let it let it all go then it was like I was returned to myself other things like messages connection is the opposite of addiction Mm. and that Mm -hmm. resonates true yeah my my son was the one who taught me that I mean he's still very much in addiction he just recently got back into treatment again it's very chaotic uh he's you know he's not he's not really getting better, but what we have the opportunity to do is to find ways to remain connected to these people that are struggling. No one wants to be an addict. No one wants to be in that life. And, and so we, they might not get better, but we can get better at how we connect and connecting in a way that's not driven by shame and it's not driven by guilt and it's not driven by, um, obligation. It's, it's connection, recognizing, this is the one thing I can offer you uh, as a lifeline is that you, you matter. You are connected to other human beings because the disconnection only makes the addiction worse. And so we have to have good boundaries to be able to do that and really know what we're willing to do and not willing to do and all of that kind of thing. But when we get really clear on our boundaries, then we can remain connected to the people in our lives that are struggling with addiction. And that's really their only hope of not, of ever overcoming addiction rather, um, is to to realize that they are connected to the world in some way and that they matter. It's a very challenging
0: experience. I can hear in your voice even. And I have seen that around me too. I think not my family members, but friends. And I wonder what happens. Why do they become so disconnected? They lose that sense of connection with um, everything there is. It's incredible how that happens. It's almost impossible, right? Because we are connected. We can't Mm -hmm. disconnect. But what does Mm -hmm. that feeling of disconnection, What does it come from?
2: I think it's shame. I, I think that this is the overriding, um, arc is that, uh, you know, shame, it keeps them hiding and they isolate and disconnect more and disconnect more. And then they do more things that they consider shameful and and it just compiles and compiles. And as I said in my book, shame is a liar. And if they could see that just like addiction is a liar, you know, um, then they could come out of hiding and that would lead to healing, but I, I believe when you say, like, why or how did that happen? It's it's shame, generally speaking. Uh, it, addiction is a trying is trying to escape from pain in a way that is not socially acceptable. And so it just compiles shame on shame on shame. Yeah, for some of us with uh, addiction
0: issues, sometimes it never gets better. And I have mm-hmm. seen that too. So I wonder if they are playing that role so to teach us to not go there.
2: Well, you know, I also think that it teaches us something. This is the, the biggest lesson that I've learned is why is it that we need our loved ones to be different so that our life can will be more peaceful? If I base my happiness on the fact I need my son to be better for me to be peaceful, well, that's I've just given all my power away. I've given all my happiness away. Maybe they're here to teach us that We always hold the power for our own peace and our own happiness, and it's making peace with what is. Making peace with them, loving them as they are and as they aren't, without the need for them to be different.
0: Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Trillion times, yes, to that powerful lesson in practice and expression. So we're almost at the end. You know, I have so many other comments here and topics. Not enough time to go through them all. (laughs) I want you to talk to me for a moment about the Japanese art. I'm not sure if I can pronounce this correctly.
2: Kinsukuri, I believe. I I might not be saying it correctly either. So we're both on the same page. (laughs) Fun. Uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about it other than it was brought to my attention a long time ago that in Japanese culture there is this this art form where a pottery that has been smashed or dropped or broken is put back together um, using, using gold to mend it. And it is considered more beautiful than the original artifact if it's been repaired with this gold, uh, with these gold seams. And um, I absolutely love that. That's really where the the title for my book came from. Through the cracks, is that the cracks are really what make make us beautiful? We we've heard, you know, Rumi, the wound is where the light enters you, and all of that sort of thing. But is it not? are not the most beautiful people the most magnetic people the most uh, inspiring people have they not overcome great uh obstacles have they not triumphed over the odds against them it really is because of the breakages that we admire them that we're inspired by them not in spite of them and so I just love that, uh, that parallel.
0: Your book has so many other beautiful, powerful messages among the topics of also kindness, the power of words, forgiveness. I love the way you talk about acceptance. Acceptance is the bridge to freedom. That mm-hmm. resonates a lot because that's how my healing started, by accepting mm-hmm. everything that had happened. And then I love the way you talk about being right or feeling that we are right, Righteousness. And how destructive mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. You said something. Fighting what is is simply an argument with reality.
2: Power. Powerful mm-hmm.
0: message.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, um. I, I learned that from Byron Katie, who, of course, is a great spiritual teacher. And she talks about, you know, if, if you don't love what is, you're in an argument with mm-hmm. reality. Uh, and you're always going to lose that argument. Right. You know. <laughs> always. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> learning to love what is is really the, the, the pathway to freedom. Again, it's the acceptance is the bridge to freedom. It doesn't imply that we have to be apathetic or not do anything, but we have to start with, well, here we are not. Why did we get here? or What did we do wrong? Just, okay, here we are now what's next. And that's really where I work as a coach is to take people from sure. You you've been all these places and here and, and, and all these things have happened, but here you are and so what's next? What do we want to create from here? It's a much more powerful place to stand than than being against whatever's going on. Another, yes, a trillion
0: times to that openness, yeah, to this, being open to the possibilities, which takes work and support, right, Pam? I know that from experience, and I see that all the time, How, how important it is to have support people around us, to guide us into that openness. And you are one of these people. What is the best
2: way for new clients to contact you? Oh, gosh. um, PamRader.com is my personal website. I, I also own a leadership development company called Shift Labs. And um, so shiftlabs.ca. The, so I do a lot of corporate leadership development, um, relationship breakthrough programs, uh, group coaching, that kind of thing as well. Instagram at Pam Raider. Um, yes, yeah, Shift Power Yoga. I'm also the owner of a couple of yoga studios, and I'm pretty easy to find on the old internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile too. So Wonderful. my last question is: What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die?
2: Well, I would say that it all—the um, three that I would choose—come out of one, one umbrella, and that is connection, the the deepest connection to each other and all things, which I believe leads us to experience profound love profound peace and profound joy. So love, peace, and joy. But I believe that the access to those things is through getting more deeply connected. So my wish for everyone is that they continue on the pathway of connecting to themselves, connecting to nature, connecting to their fellow human beings, and connecting to God and the universe, however they like to do that. That's another beautiful, empowering,
0: powerful message. Thank you so much again, Pam, for being you, for the courage, for the trust, for this beautiful desire to help others, help yourself and others, and the wisdom that you share. I love your presence. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Take good care, and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now, Pam.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Pam Reader and her work, please visit... PamReader.com and shiftlabs.ca
0: to learn more about this podcast please visit fitforjoy.org podcast thank you again for listening and bye for now